Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Joining us in the classroom today is a guest who doesn't need a whole lot of introduction. It's Coach Stephen Mackey. And uh, Coach Mackey, welcome to the classroom. Thanks for joining us. Can't wait to hear what we're going to speak on today. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm fired up to get to be here with y'all and, and uh, thankful on this day for technology and the way that it can connect us and the way that we can encourage people through it. And so glad to, glad to be here with you. Yeah, we've you, you've seen the videos that we've done and uh, told you about our 2019 championship run and, and you were an integral part in and our sound bites that we used before we played games, before we uh, started lifting weights, and uh, just love what you do, and I uh, can't wait thank to you. hear more about it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate what you guys are doing, uh, you know, doing, doing your day jobs uh, as coaches and educators, and then also uh, in, your, in your second job as, uh, as podcasters and, and champions of, of culture and character, and, and uh, man, we're all better for it. So, Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Coach Mackey, just tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, I think it's pretty incredible with how you started from humble beginnings and uh, what it's evolved to today, a few years later. Yeah, so man, really a lot of this, as, as far as two words, character development goes, uh, which is the company that, that I started and, and is the platform that I use to encourage coaches and athletes to connect the dots between sports and life. You know, it started like a lot of things uh, long before we had ever uttered the two words or the idea. Um, you know, I was uh, fresh out of college, graduated from Texas A&M down in College Station, Texas, and moved to the little town of Blanco, Texas. Uh, it was population 1,300. I think Google had to Google Blanco, Texas, right? It was, uh, it was about as small as they came. And, and I went there uh, on fire, uh, full of piss and vinegar and ready to change the world. And, uh, and, and got in and had more passion than sense probably. And, uh, and went to the coach there and just said, hey coach, this is who I am. This is my story. And uh, man, if there's anything I can do to serve, just let me know. And, uh, and what started as helping with summer athletics, summer workouts, um, turned into the opportunity to do a, a pregame a pregame message. We called it Panther Paws, where they were Blanco Panthers. And so we had a, a Panther Paws, P-A-U-S-E. Uh, where we paused before the game uh, to talk about being men. And, uh, and in those seven minutes or so that I had to challenge them uh, with what it meant to be a man, to challenge them to consider the deeper things of life, uh, but also uh, get them fired up to go win a football game because uh, we are in Texas and we take that football real serious. And uh, it was in, in, in that season, over those four years, uh, where, where I, I kind of cut my teeth and begin to figure out somewhat of a formula of how to connect the dots between sports and life. And as I evolved um, in my education and my abilities, uh, it, it took me to a place outside of Dallas uh, called Kaufman, Texas, a little bit bigger. Uh, it, it's it's uh, in Texas, what's it called a 4A, um, goes all the way up to 6A in Texas. And so that's uh, you know population on campus enrollment uh, peaks out around 1200, um, 11, 1150 to 1200 students on campus. And, um, and started doing the same thing there. Did that for three years. And it was in uh, 2016 where I'd gotten to the rhythm of saying, hey, I've got one big idea or one question I want you to answer today or 
two words for you. And two or three weeks in a row, I was like, all right, fellas, here's what I got for you, two words. And then uh, the fourth week in a row, uh, I went in, and again, not intentionally, uh, went in and said, all right, fellas, here's what I got for you. And somebody said, got two words for you. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I've got. And I realized that that mnemonic of defining and describing the character trait of the week, of defining, describing the big idea between sports and life, um, doing that with two words was a mnemonic that was helpful. Because what happened was when we got to the fourth quarter of the game, inevitably somebody would shout out what the two words were for that week, that there was this moment in the game we're on the sideline, guys are shouting. It's like Coach Mackey said, whatever the two words were. Uh, and they were drawing that in the game. I realized if they can do that in the game, they just connect that to life and do the same thing in life they did in the game or in the hallway or the classroom or in relationships or at the house. And they'll be successful in the game of life. And so coming out of that season, it was January 12th, 2017, a friend of mine said, man, I think you can make a bigger impact than just this one high school in this one town in Texas. And I said, man, there's no way I can make a living doing this. I, I give seven minute talks before football games. You don't make a living doing that. And he said, he gave me the greatest piece of advice. He said, don't start with no, start with yes. And if you knew it could be done, what would you do? And, 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 and so often, right, our stop is in our start. Um, that We don't start big ideas, big dreams. We don't start trying to change the world uh, because we think it can't be done. Uh, where you focus, you finish. And when you start with no, it can't, we find all the reasons that it can. And when you start with yes, it can, well, you find all the reasons that it can. And so with some YouTube and confidence, we got after it. We started talking to coaches, Google how to build a website, uh, you know, how to start a podcast. I mean, we didn't know nothing from nothing, uh, but YouTube and confidence. And we got after it. And our goal, my goal uh, at the time, it was just me, uh, was 30 schools. And I thought, man, if I could do that, that'd be really cool. And, uh, and along the way, brought on my best friend, Colton Leonard, uh, Luke Turpin, some really phenomenal men, some phenomenal women. And, uh, and turns out that today, some three years later, as we're recording, uh, you know, we're serving well over 600 campuses each week uh, in the midst of this corona crisis. Uh, every coach in the state of Texas, every coach in the state of Colorado has been given access uh, to the curriculum. We're serving hundreds of thousands of student athletes uh, every week with our curriculum. Uh, and I say that not to brag, uh, but to say that uh, we're, we're doing our part uh, to, to help raise up the next generation uh, of young men and young women. You know, something like 15 million uh, high school students today in America and over half of them are athletes. Uh, so that tells me that tomorrow's leaders are built in today's locker room uh, and they're built by men like you all. Uh, by coaches, uh, by our female coaches. And, uh, and so I want to do everything that we can do, bring the best of us uh, to you all to help you all do that. So that's a, that's a little bit of a ramble there, but that's the, that's the story and, uh, and how we ended up here uh, in the classroom with, with you guys. Oh, that's great. You know, and I, I keep hearing, you know, when you came and, and you, you had the two words and the kids uh, we're identifying with the two words and that goes to me, it goes straight into soundbite coaching of how, sure. how much our kids are just soundbite minded where they want quick words. They can say them fast. Uh, like when you say fourth quarter, our quarter, where our quarter is two words. And I think that that helps so much with, with today's athlete where you can't give them so much stuff 
but you give them something and they can remember it through the whole week and then it starts sticking and then they start remembering for a whole season, then a whole year. And then maybe when they're 45 years old, they remember when in a game, they said two words were our quarter when now they're talking about like it's our family or something like that. Yeah, that's it. You know, and, and here's the thing, right, is, is, is somehow uh, we've missed, like we've been convinced that more means better. That if I talk longer or use bigger words or the scheme or the complex is more complicated, that somehow that's better than simple. Uh, well, like you may sound smarter um, and it may be more complex, but like what's the end goal? The end goal is you want athletes to put things into practice, whether it's the scheme that you've been studying or whether it's the character traits and the, the core values that you want them to live out. And simple doesn't have to be stupid. Uh, in fact, it's a lot harder to speak simply, uh, to let your simple words be infused and uh, to be, uh, to be uh, you know, uh, set up with deep thought, right? But to be distilled down into a simple, compact, tweetable way, not for the sake of being cute, but for the sake of going, I don't have to let them know all of the research behind this. I just need them to know that if they do this, I can promise them this is the best course of action. Right. And if they can buy in on it, then once they, they're in on it, then they do what they do best, right? And start asking why, but why, but why, but why? And then because you've done the deep work, well, you can keep answering that why question as long as they ask, right? Uh, but I don't know, I just, it, it, it's frustrating when people think that simple is stupid. I'm like, no, it's kind of stupid not to be simple. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go a little X's and O's real quick. Um, we used to have these long, drawn-out offensive plays. I mean, and I, I was in the meetings every day, and I'd still go on <laughs> Friday nights. I'm like, how do our kids know this? <laughs> right. To where the last two years, we have simplified everything to where now we have plays that are one word that tell everything. That goes on. Yeah. So the simple is also the smart way. You That's know, right. I think about our our cliches that we use for our team, for even for my receiver group, you know, take flight. What does take flight mean? Well then those are too simple. And then you you talk about ours this year's next episode for our receivers. Well, I like Dr. Dre and I like the song next episode. And it's another crew of receivers. So we're doing some study on why are we next episode and played off the double X for 20. But like you said, it doesn't have to be this long drawn out deal. And I think coaches and educators give all of it instead of, let me just give you the piece that you need and then we can expound on it. Right. So, let, you know, let's, let's think about, let's think about this and it's exactly what you guys are doing there. You know, when we talk about building and establishing core values, one of the things I talk to coaches about are, are the standard, the affirmation, and the communication. Mm -hmm. and, and lots of times when we think about culture, we just think about the communication. We think about the catchy phrase, the nice hashtag, the cool thing on social media or on the wall or whatever. We only think about the communication. Next episode. Is that cool? Is it not? Is it catchy? Is it not? Right. Well, the communication is the, it's the last piece right? We have to know what the standard is. And so what is the, 
what is the deeper big picture behind next episode? That's the study, right? That's the deep conversation. That's the, we've wrestled with this and we've gone through it and we can articulate very deeply and we can articulate uh, with great precision what this standard is. And we just happen to communicate it through the term next episode. And we affirm it over and over and over again. And every time I see one of my receivers living out this next episode mentality, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to value it because I know what gets rewarded gets repeated. And so I'm going to, I'm going to reward it. I'm going to celebrate it and affirm it. And I'm going to let my players know I value this. Just communicate it like next episode. But that means a whole, whole lot more than what meets you know, the Twitter screen. Right. That's the surface layer. There's so much more. Come on. Coach Mackey, I was just going to ask you, you know, talking about uh, two words, talking about taglines, talking about values, I think that you said the three most dangerous words from a masculinity standpoint in coaching, in my opinion. Um, and I know there's a growing body of research on this, but what do you define as being a man? Hmm. That's a great, it's a great question, you know, and it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, if I were in the, if I had the ability to be nuanced, um, I, you know, I would tell you that a lot of those characteristics of being a man aren't much different than being a woman, that they're going to be founded in the character and integrity, right? They're, they're going to be found in a willingness to give the best of you, uh, for, uh, the good of others, even when it costs you, uh, that you're, you're a person of your word, uh, that you do what you say you're going to do, even when it costs you more than you thought it was going to cost you, uh, that you're the kind of person that sets goals that are worthy of the talent that has been given to you to steward. Uh, and, and you don't lower the standard just because uh, no one's going to fault you for it. You hold yourself to a higher standard uh, that you live in and you deploy the, the, your talents and your influences. Uh, you deploy that for the good of other people. You don't exploit it exclusively for your own good. Uh, that, that you're willing to have the hard conversations, to deal with the hard truths, uh, to, to, to endure through the hard days and the hard seasons. Uh, that when things don't go right, you don't just throw in the towel and quit, but you call on your convictions uh, to press on anyways. Um, like those things, you know, they have very little to do with having a big bicep um, or uh, driving a big truck. You know, they have very little to do with having a great, great beard. You know, um, those things have very little to do with that. Uh, I think that, that some of the, uh, you know, masculinity things that or maybe stereotypical, uh, you know, that those are, those are fun, that those maybe become the communication, if you will, but they're not the standard, like we talked about. Uh, that when we think about the standard of being a man, uh, my goodness, those are, those are much, much deeper. Uh, you know, we might communicate them uh, in something as simple as be a man uh, or step up, you know, something like that, uh, but, but, they, uh, but they're grounded um, at least when it's healthy, it's grounded in something much, much deeper than that. Uh, fellas, one second. I'm so sorry. My, my, I, got, I got my son a, a, a BB gun uh, as, as a present, and he's shooting. A, he's sitting three feet away from it, shooting a metal pole. Harrison, 
if you shoot that metal pole, the BB is going to bounce off of it and hit you. Yes. Uh, so shoot the target, not the metal pole. Okay. Good luck. Hard work. Hey, you didn't just <laughs> want, you didn't just want to you just didn't want to tell your son to be a man right there and just take one on the chin. <laughs> uh, right. Right. Well, again, right in that moment, uh, right. Well, is, is being a man taking it on the chin? Like, what, what's the deeper? What's the deeper uh, meaning of that? Well, in the sense that there are times that we got to get hit on the chin, uh, and we've got to push on anyways. Yeah, that's being a man, right? That's having that sense of I, I'm not going to let some painful circumstance or consequence derail me from my conviction. Uh, you know, but in the sense of like, well, just be a man. You should. You shouldn't hurt. So that that that's not very helpful. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we yeah. can tie that together. You know, I don't know. My dad always used to tell me, uh, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. And so, you know, shooting a <laughs> shooting a metal pole with a BB gun three feet away, well, that you better be tough. Yeah. Yeah, to, to his credit, right? He was like, It will? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Come on. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my two year old is is tough. <laughs> Would have said maybe that's that's a maybe that's a, a kind way to to call your kid dumb. Well, my kid's tough. He's tough. <laughs> my three-year-old's <laughs> tough. He's... Yeah, that's it. That's good. I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and something about the nine greatest running backs of the top 10 in NFL history have a birth order of like 3.4 on average. So there's something about the two-year-old that says he needs to keep up with the seven-year-old. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Giddy up. Well, um, as we get into this a little more, and and I've been watching your stuff uh, for a while. It's, it's probably two years now, like diving into it. Uh, I want to know what, how you can help coaches who have this culture mindset of, I got to have all this stuff. I got to have signage on the wall. I got to have this. What's the, and you've, you've alluded to it a little earlier. But what are some of the challenges you see that coaches are dealing with? Because you're in so many schools now. And you talk to and you communicate on how to get this thing off the ground with coaches. Um, what are some of the challenges? And then what are some of the responses you would give to coaches to help them cultivate, um, I don't even want to say a culture of their with their team, uh, just the, the demographic of how do I live each day investing in my kids and how does that look? Yeah. So the, the first thing that jumps to mind is just how overwhelming it can be to go from nothing to some of the folks you see on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's similar to, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I, I get on, I get on, I got me a Pinterest account and, uh, and I see some of the different projects that are out there. Right. And I'm like, dude, man, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to how to build a, you know, kids, you know, play space. I just need a space that I can lock my kids in away from me. And, you know, and they're they're building out these detailed, you know, castles and tree houses that, you know, have air conditioner, all this stuff. And I'm like, it becomes overwhelming. Uh, you know, same thing can happen for coaches. Right. If they're starting out and they're like, they've got the mindset and they go, we I want to coach beyond the game. I want to do the culture. I want to build this out. Well, they, they open up, uh, you know, to, you know, Randy Jackson's, uh, you know, culture defeat strategy one and two. It's a good friend of mine. They dive into that and go, man, this can be overwhelming, right? Or they see PJ Fleck at Minnesota, or they see Dabo. They see all this, and it's, man, it's overwhelming. 
the, the first encouragement I would give you uh, is like, is you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And it doesn't matter how big the elephant is, you go eat it one at a time. And so as you start to develop culture, don't think that you got to get the Waterboy graphics and the curriculum and the hashtag and the t-shirts and the chains and the 17 different awards. And you got to, you know, have coaches that are willing to put in this, that, and the other. And you got to, you don't have to do all of that at once. One bite at a time, one piece at a time. And it is going to be something that is going to be cumulative. It's not going to happen all at once. Mm -hmm. um, that. Uh, that you are going to change, you're, you're, you're turning, right, a, a massive ship. And it's not going to turn on a dime, right? It's going to take time. It's going to take uh, continued investment because, you know, what will happen, like coach will get fired up about it, have a thousand ideas, try to implement them all at once. And then kind of like your buddy that gets in on MLM, he's super fired up at first, you know, and then uh, it doesn't work out or it's harder or it's actually really work, you know, and it's not just this turnkey solution. And then it goes in the towel and quit says, Oh, well that just doesn't work for me. No, it's not that it doesn't work for you. It's that you didn't work long and hard enough at it or smart enough at it. That's right. So the first thing I would say is be willing to do this over the long term, step by step, brick by brick. That's how you're going to build uh, this house. Uh, you know, and then the, and then the second thing is again, don't don't get bogged down with the communication. Uh, don't get bogged down in the flash of it. The standard and getting to a place where your your athletes and your coaches understand the standard is infinitely more important than how you uh, how you market it or how you brand it. Uh, getting them to live out the standard is what makes the communication of it so cool uh, because if they don't live out the standard then the communication is really lame right like like if if i if i if i have a standard of, of we encourage and we celebrate and and i'm in on that but my my players aren't when i try to get everybody to give someone who did really well two claps and a rick flair woo! if they're not bought in on it like i'm gonna look like a fool standing up there right but if they are bought in on we are a team. We are people who see the best in others and we celebrate it and we sell it. And the highest honor we can give you is two claps and a Ric Flair. Then that two claps and a Ric Flair is going to shake the walls of your weight room. Right. But getting them to buy in on the standard is much, much more important than getting the cuteness of the communication. Uh, so those are two things that, that jump out to me. They, they try to do too much too quick. Nope, you got to stay faithful a little bit every day. And then second, that they try to uh, get more in on the cutesy stuff uh, than on the meat behind it. Great. I think that's good. Good information, though, that, that coaches, and I agree with you totally, like they jump in both feet and then they're like, they get in the water like, I don't even know how to swim. Like, I even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's I it. have no idea what's going on. And then they're overwhelmed and then they're so overwhelmed that none of it really sticks. So then they're back to doing what they did a year ago, which is nothing. Right. And I think, I think that one of, one of the encouragements in, in this whole culture and coaching beyond the game, one of, I think one of the best encouragements that we can remember, that coaches can remember, is that what it all boils down to is that you care enough to care about 
your student athlete as a person first. And if you care enough to care about them as a person before you care about what they can do for you as an athlete, then all this other stuff is going to present itself. As you, as you focus on that, that you're going to finish it. It's going to present itself. And you're going to see that there are these things that keep coming up, that your athletes keep saying things like, uh, you know, I, you know, whatever it is, next episode, or, you know, whatever the thing that becomes no fly zone here, you know, or, you know, man, we're going to chase the lion, or I don't know, whatever it becomes for you, that, that those things are going to present themselves, that you're going to see that your kids really, really value trust because they're surrounded by a bunch of grown boys that are masquerading as men that can't be trusted. And so, you know what, the, the most important thing that you can give to them is your trust and, and, and to be trustworthy. And all of a sudden you begin to see that trust is a major pillar for our kids. Now, if you just jump into one of the many great books out there, maybe that's in there, maybe it's not, right? Uh, you try to get a, a, a fancy hashtag, maybe that presents itself, maybe it doesn't. But when you care enough to care about them as a person, as a young man, and you get to know them, their situation, you realize, you know what, trust is a big issue. Or you realize that, you know what, like these guys, they don't, they don't know how to tie a tie or shake a hand, or they don't know how to say, yes, sir. They walk around saying, yeah, 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 yeah. What the heck is yeah, right? Like, I, I, I don't know what that means, right? I know what yes, sir means. So, you know, you, go, you know, I, I need to teach them, uh, and this presents itself, right? And you start going beyond the game, right? And, and so I would just encourage with that. Uh, if you need to begin somewhere, uh, begin first with caring, with, uh, caring enough to care about them as a person. And then know that there are incredible resources out there, right? Obviously, our two words, character development, right? Our, our curriculum is done for you. You press play. If you can read a quote and press play, and you can find me 12 minutes, then I can give you an intention game plan every single week of the school year, right? We've mentioned already Coach Jackson's culture defeat strategy. Uh, he's written it in an incredibly engaging way that helps you walk step by step in doing the things that go on the wall, establishing the core values, right? He's, he's, uh, he's one of the best at that, right? And he's made it very accessible for you. And there are many, many others, which you guys are doing through this podcast, right? It, many resources out there. Um, but let it begin with caring enough to care about your kids. Say, I want them to become great men. I want them to grow up to become great women. And I am going to deploy the best of me to using the game of football or softball or whatever you coach to that end. When you do that, it will, those things will present themselves. Coach, you said it earlier. Um, you talked about how even when you were a pastor in Texas and, you know, it's Friday night and you're a volunteer job, your job's still on the line. What advice would you have for those guys that are building culture intentionally, but maybe aren't seeing the results that they need right now? Yeah, I would, you know, here, here's the double-edged sword is um, I would first challenge what does result mean, but then I would also concede and recognize uh, that, uh, you know, when you're coaching a sport, uh, people will judge you by the win-loss record. Uh, and so, you know, on the what does results mean, um, if you are doing culture for the result of winning more games, I think you're going to be disappointed. Uh, 
if you do culture for the result of making men, I think you'll be really satisfied with what happens on the field, uh, as well as what happens in, 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 not just what happens on the field, but what happens in their life, as well as what happens on the field. Uh, and so like, it's a different game. Uh, and that's a phrase I'll use, like coaches that coach beyond the game, they aren't just coaching the game of football differently. They're coaching an entirely different game than everyone else. They're playing on a different level. It looks the same, but it's a different game. And so they value different things. Um, but to the extent that, hey, I get it. Like people are going to connect your paycheck to what 13, 14, 15, 17 year old kids do on a Friday night. Like, you know, okay, that, that's fair, right? It's not, but it's reality. Uh, you know, I would say that, you know, there, there are going to be places in jobs that value building men more than winning games. If you're coaching football, like they want you to win. And if they don't, you probably don't want to coach football there, right? Because they're probably not going to invest in you. Uh, but I would encourage you uh, to look for places that are going to value uh, what you value, right? That becomes alignment, right? When you, when you're, when you can have that deeper alignment, uh, that, that, makes it, that makes it a lot better. Now, of course, again, you got to be you got to be willing to, to push the envelope on your ability to coach, right? And if if the guys aren't prepared, right? You you got to you got to really you got a flashy cool locker room, but your guys aren't prepared to play. Well, that that's a that's an issue. And if you get fired, you probably deserve to be fired, right? Uh, this isn't something that you do in lieu of uh, coaching X's and O's. Uh, you know, it's not one or the other. Uh, coaching beyond the game uh, is infused in and as you coach the X's and O's. This is an as you go, as you coach the X's and O's, we are coaching those X's and O's to uh, uh, an end goal of something beyond the game. And so, um, you know, that, that doesn't solve it uh, for the guy that gets fired and has to go home and tell his wife, hey, I got fired. Uh, he was trying to raise up men. And, and, and his administration didn't appreciate that. It doesn't solve that. Um, and, and I know that that's a, a reality that's really, really hard. Um, but I would encourage you to not look at it as either or, um, but as, as an infusion of things. Um, and, and be really great at coaching X's and O's. Um, but, but also uh, be really great at coaching X's and O's for a purpose beyond the scoreboard. And it goes back to capturing that heart. The, the heart of the kid first. And, and Coach Tori, I'm going to give you two, two claps and a Ric Flair here because he came up with this thing of surrender the outcome of mm -hmm. whatever the game is. And, and he started saying that on our podcast, I think in season two. And I kept hearing that from him. And then I would just go and tell my receivers, surrender the outcome. I don't care how many balls you catch tonight. If a ball comes to you, then we're going to make a play. But just surrender – how many yards you get, how many catches you get, how many times you have to block for the running backs, you know, and it just turned into, I'm caring more about you as an athlete versus what you do on the field. Now, those two things and those relationships built inside the locker room, uh, the trust piece that you're talking about, I think once you start doing all that and then you add the X's and O's, not on top or not under it, but with it, that's when you see guys that, and you you, t you said P.J. Fleck. 
And when nobody said he could win at Minnesota because he's a culture guy, he can't coach. He doesn't know enough X's and O's. Well, you see where they finished this year. Doing pretty good. You know? Doing pretty good for himself. I I think that's a lot of knock on some people that are these culture guys. You'll get Dabo. Well, they're like, Dabo's not a good X's and O's guy. Well, what? How many many national champions are you going to win? Exactly. Exactly. But then you hear people like, oh, you care more about culture than you care more about your your X's and O's. And you you hit the nail on the head with it. It's infused. It's not either or. It's infused with the coaching. And I think that's where those elite coaches come from. They understand the athlete and they understand the X's and O's. It's it's it really is. It's it's an upside down way of living. It's an upside down way of coaching. And 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 outside looking at it doesn't make sense. Uh, but once you once you once you buy and you I don't want to say bite the Kool-Aid, but I mean once you go in on it mm-hmm. and you realize that 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 I am raising up men through the game of football, you get more interested in them being men than you do the game of football. What happens is that as they see themselves becoming men, they start working harder. They get smarter. They put in more time studying, right? They're more dependable. They're more willing to run through a brick wall for you. And what that allows then is for you to push them harder on the field, for you to challenge them more, to coach them harder, to give them uh, more challenging assignments, to, let, to, to, to push them to study film more, right? It, and you, you let this be the the practice of the philosophy of being a man, right? And we're just, the classroom, the practice is football, right? That's just the curriculum. Well, you, you know what? Like all of a sudden, like, dang, they get better at football, right? Mm-hmm. Better people make better players, right? Championship people win championships. And so um, it, it's just one of those things that, that, that there's a switch that is hard to switch. It's hard to flip. Uh, that it's not either or, or that coaching beyond the game means that you suck at the X's and O's. Like character is not a a, a consolation prize. I don't coach character because I suck at playing football, right? But I coach character because I am more interested in them becoming men than I am them winning football games. And by the way, I really love to win football games. And so if I really care about winning football games, but I care even more about them becoming men, well, guess what? They're both going to go up because I really, really care. Right. You know, it, but it, it's hard for people to get. But man, once you get it, you, you can't see a lot. You can't see it. You can't unsee it once you see right. it. Right. Well, Coach Torrey, um, he's way ahead of the game on Beyond the Game because he wrote a book called More Than the Game. Come on. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that, Coach Torrey. Yeah, so I just think um, my own coaching journey, it all comes down into three buckets, right? So like, the and it, it's kind of like exactly what you were saying with your standard, your application, and then communication at the end. For me, it's about the relationship first, seeing the person as a person like you talked about. And then if you can build that relationship and teach leadership, use your platform as a teacher or a coach to build leadership, then in the end, that's when we get championships. And it might be 20 years down the road, you know, like Joe Ehrman's 20-year window. Um, I've got three athletes of mine that are doing near life in prison right now. Um, 13 years I've been doing, I've been in this coaching deal. And uh, to have three kids who 
don't have a structure or values to live their life on when they leave our program, and now they're relying on the penal system to hold them accountable. Um, that's a sobering thought. And I know as I continue to do this thing, the odds of those numbers growing are out there. And uh, I need to do everything I can to prevent that from happening. So if I, can, if I can catch those kids or if we can give them a way to live their life or a set of standards to hold themselves accountable for, that's what I view as a championship. And I think you hit it on the head when you said it all, all depends on, you know, what do you define as a result? What do you define as a win? Those kind of things. And I think the, the thing that's hard for people that are on the outside. So we look at PJ Fleck, right? And he's wearing his tie and he's, a, he's got a lot of energy and he's running around like a middle school kid. Uh, we look at Dabo, who's got all these weird things that he does at Clemson, or at least they were weird till they started beating Nick Saban. Uh, <laughs> what advice that's do you fire. give for coaches to find their authentic self? Because that's really what it comes down to. P.J. Fleck, Dabo Sweeney, Randy Jackson, John Weaver, we've all found our authentic self. We know what makes us tick. What advice could you give to a young coach or even a coach who's been in this game and has seen the landscape change but is ready to make that culture change? How do you help them find their authentic self? Yeah, I would give them the advice that, that I've used to, uh, to develop and find my voice as a speaker. Uh, and, and what I did to find my voice as a, as a speaker, as a communicator, it, and, and I started this early, uh, but I would, I would find uh, a speaker that I look up to some of that, that I go, man, if, if I was, if I had their influence, if I was them, gosh, that would be really, really awesome. And then what I would do is I would imitate them for, for a spell. And I, I would just try to be them. Uh, and I would try to speak like them and talk like them and think like them. I would try to be them. And then as I did that for a little bit, I would come back and I would analyze that. And I would ask the question, when I was trying to be like them, what things felt natural and what things felt forced, right? What, what about that, right? So you got a coach looking and going, you know, hey, I'm going to try to be like P.J. Fleck for a bit, right? Where's a little tie? Did that feel natural or did that feel forced, right? Super high energy, running around. Did that feel natural? Did that feel forced? And you're going to look through and you're going to find the things as you try to imitate a speaker or coach, the things that felt natural, things that felt forced. Get rid of the things that feel forced, keep the things that feel natural, and then go to somebody else and then do the same thing and keep repeating that. And what you're going to find is that there are things about all these different coaches. I found all these different speakers that resonated with me and I put them all in the blender. And then I put the proprietary blend that was my life story. That was my experiences that are, our, that are my isms that are just what I found in life. And I, and I blended it all up. And, and mind you, this process for me took 17 years that you can look back at different seasons of even of two words um, and you can see the different influences from different speakers at different times in my life. Uh, and, and now I, I feel like I've found that that blend, that mix that is me. Um, and so uh, I would encourage coaches to do something similar to go through. And when you first get started, right, your, your junior high coach, right, pull from this person. Keep what's natural, get rid of what is forced, and keep doing that. And what, we'll, what you'll develop is, is a coaching philosophy uh, that's influenced by all these different people, yet is uniquely you. 
that's and so that's what I would encourage to coaches is is to do that. It's fantastic. I, I, I'm starting to think of my coaching shift, my journey, and the ones that I kept that were for, like the ones that I kept versus the ones that were forced. The ones that were forced were like yeah going out the window i was going through my my 14 years of now 15 years of coaching and thinking where where have i come into contact with what was good who do i emulate what i like what i don't like add edit delete keep on going that's right that's it and, and we've all done that right we just don't all do it intentionally right. uh, and, I, and i think that that level of intentionality is really what what allows what allows you to um, for lack of a better word, systematize your philosophy, uh, you know, and, and make it something that is, uh, is, is communicable, is teachable, uh, you know. So you, you've had those head coaches who can, who can really sit down and teach you how and why they think and coach and act the way that they do. Uh, those are the coaches who have intentionally thought about who they, you know, started who they cut who they uh, who they kept on the bench as far as their influences and the ones that are just kind of like i don't know man we just do it like we just like i don't know they just get it by osmosis right well they've been influenced the same they've kept and let go the same they just weren't intentional about it right coach tory um you want to finish up with our last question it's our, my favorite question of the whole podcast uh that we ask and it's kind of been a ritual uh so coach tory take it away yeah, Coach Mackey, we just want to know uh, what's your caring trademark? You know, what's something that distinguishes you from everybody else on the planet that's doing in this business, that's walking this same life? Uh, what do you do that's different and shows people you care about them? Well, I don't know that I'm the only one. I'm, I, in fact, I'm certainly not the only one that does this. Uh, but I would say the thing that I hope that I am the best at uh, when it's all said and done, uh, is that uh, I hope that I am known, uh, and this is going to sound funny, I hope that I'm known for being the best at being humble. Uh, and you go, man, that sounds funny. Like, you'll be the best at being humble. Uh, but here's, here's what I mean by it. Uh, when I think about what humility is, uh, I, I think that humility is giving the best of you for the best of someone else when it, even when it costs you more than it costs them. Uh, and I want to be known and I want to, I want to distinguish myself. Uh, my little boy's right here taking the shirt off. I, uh, I want to be known for being the guy that whether there were five people there or 5,000, whether you were a division one SEC coach uh, or you were a junior high C team coach, that I gave the very best of me for you, even when it cost me more time, more energy, uh, more more preparation, more work, even when it cost me more than it cost you, that I still gave the best of me for you. And I wanna do that for kids, I wanna do that for my family, I wanna do that for coaches, because uh, I, I just think that, that, that humility uh, is the antidote to selfish ambition that it is the antidote to uh, exploiting your influence or talents or abilities for your own good and forgetting uh, that of others. Like I'm convinced the purpose of influence and talent 
and ability is to serve those that have none. And so um, to the extent that I can continue to give the very best of me uh, for the best of others, even when it costs me, um, you know, that's, that's what I want to be known for. So I, I don't know if, that's the, if, if, that's, if that quite hits it, but uh, that, that's, okay. a, that's about as close as I think I can get. That's it. Uh, Coach Mackey, man, I appreciate your time. We, we appreciate your time so much. Um, we know it's been kind of a windy road to get you uh, on the culture classroom. But, man, we appreciate your time. We appreciate all that you're doing uh, for millions of kids across the country. Uh, well, thank you so much.